0: Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading a
1: transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. We are missionaries at Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve her mission. Today's topic is a second in a series of why leadership tools don't work in the church and what we're going to try to do today is deep dive one of our favorite tools now the punchline from episode 17 is that yes these tools can in fact work in the church but it depends on how we're using these tools and we'll say more about that so today's tool that we're going to dig into is one of our favorites it's from patrick lencioni He wrote a book many years ago about five dysfunctions of a team. And we love the tool. And as any tool, if it's used right and used properly, and we think if it's used within the context of the three essential principles of transformation in the church, in other words, if we're using the tool with a biblical perspective, if we're using the tool with this desire and this goal of being more than a staff, to be a family on mission, and thirdly, to be docile, prayerfully docile to the Holy Spirit, this tool can be tremendously effective in church leadership. But first, let me ask Nick would you be so kind as to lead us in prayer?
0: Rick, I'd be happy to open us in prayer, brother, but you just missed that third essential principle. You listed the apostolic value. So, as important as it is to be docile to the Holy Spirit, the third essential principle, is
1: prayerfully discerning god's plan as you You well know know, bro i knew it it came out i knew it and i knew you wouldn't let me go so yes so now i need extra (laughs) prayer okay
0: amen we will do that in the father and the son and the holy spirit amen heavenly father we just thank you and praise you uh, just for the gift of life today to to serve you to know you to be known by you that you call us your sons, that you call all of uh, these listeners your sons and daughters. Father, for all of us that are a part of this conversation, it's our great desire to to worship you and know you more and to lead your people to your son Jesus to be rescued. And so Jesus, as we uh, just today discuss more leadership tools, business tools, and how they work in the church Only when they're rooted in Scripture, only when they're rooted in your truth, I just ask you right now, Jesus, to send the Holy Spirit to fill every listener's heart, mind, body, and soul with your grace and your peace, your wisdom, and an open heart, open mind to um, newer, deeper realities and truths about building great teams, great teams, great families in mission so that the church will be who she is, and thousands upon millions of souls will come to know, love, and serve you, Jesus. pray this in your name. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nick. And thank you for the clarification again. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime I can Uh correct you, I'm so
0: grateful because it rarely happens. All
1: right. All right. So let us dig into this. As I mentioned, you know, Patrick Lencioni is, you know, I I was somewhat of a, you can even call it a Lencioni junkie when I was in the secular world, helping teams, helping leaders become stronger. And so let us first go through, for those of you who aren't familiar and those of you who are already familiar, it's just a good little reminder of when Patrick's book talks about the five dysfunctions of a team and, and in a positive sense. Yeah, show showing me the picture of the book. Yes. And so it's been out there. It's really popular. And in the mission challenge, we're going to encourage you, if you don't if you're not already real familiar with it, it's a great one. Understand it. So what we're going to do is give you like a little primer on it. And then we're going to dig deeper into from a biblical perspective why we think it could be even more effective with church leadership than it would be in a business world and a secular leadership. So that let's let's describe these five dysfunctions or in a positive way for the five characteristics that we think can really enable you to become more than a staff. And they can even enable you to be more than a team and truly become a family on mission, living the Lord's mission. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go through the five characteristics of what is needed, we believe, to get you from being just a staff to even be more than a team and become a family on mission.
0: So at this cursory level, this first behavior of a great team is trust. This is the foundation of all relationships, of all teamwork. And if you don't have trust, you cannot grow into a team. And so, trust, when we talk about trust, when Pat Lynch, he only talks about trust in his book, he's talking about vulnerability based trust as opposed to predictive trust. So, predictive trust is the kind of trust that kind of uh, you know people's tendencies, you know their behaviors, how they kind of operate. You know, I, I know, I know. Uh, you know, my friend Joe, I know that he loves to plan. And so he's going to have a good laid out plan from the very get go. You know, I know my friend Mary, she's last minute on projects, but that's because she got a ton of energy right at the end. Those are predictive behaviors. Those are good things. But the vulnerability based trust is the kind of trust that says, I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I am. Uh, you're better at this than I am. And I celebrate that. Like, you're great at that help me get better at that myself. It's that real authentic vulnerability to overcome relationship challenges and to really on a, on a much deeper level, be willing to be exposed uh, to one another as we live as we are.
1: So only with trust, then, can you move on to that second characteristic, and that is being able, the ability to have conflict, to have productive conflict as a team. And that conflict is needed. So this isn't, if you have conflict, this is encouraging disagreement. This is encouraging debate, healthy debate. We always use the phrase be brutally honest without being brutal. So it's productive conflict. It's it's taking a topic and really wrestling with it. And and because you have trust, because you have to have trust first, because you have trust, then you can disagree, even with the boss, even with somebody who's maybe been around a long time, even if you're a more junior employee or a team member. Um, so so having productive conflict is that second characteristic.
0: The third one. So tr- you have trust. You have real conflict, which is the mark of a great team. That third one is commitment. And this, is, and this is commitment to one another about the decisions we're making, the actions we said yes to take. It's so having a real um, uh, honest level of saying, you know, when our team had conflict and we hurt each other, even if we disagree because we had it out, I'm willing to disagree and still commit to the decisions because we're united in the fact that um, we're, we might not always agree But because we're debating and going after the truth in situations, we're going to be able to say, I'm committed to that decision, and I'm going to present a united front to whoever we're we're working
1: with, and you're you're going to be able to to hold me to my commitments. Continuing to build, then. So if you've got this trust, you have the ability of productive conflict. That gives you the capability of committing because you've been heard. Now, accountability. So the fourth characteristic is accountability. Our favorite way of describing accountability is relationship-based accountability. So right. it's almost like your best friend. You know, your best friend doesn't have to, quote, hold you accountable. You are accountable to your best friend because you don't want to let your best friend down. Now, certainly there are times when if you're the boss of a group or, or or somebody's stepping out of line and you need to hold them accountable, we know that exists. But that's not the healthiest form of accountability it's that relationship-based accountability that builds upon the three characteristics that we just described before that so you got your self accountability i'm going to do what i said i'm going to do and then you're going to help the team be accountable to the commitments that the team has said that the team is going to do
0: and then the, the fifth the fifth behavior of a great team the mark of any great team is did we accomplish what we set out to do and that's results are we fruitful so, you know, results aren't something that happens by accident. You know, we have a marker, we have a goal, we have an end in mind we're seeking to accomplish. And so is our team's having a, a real focus on actual, actually seeing results and fruitfulness and mission. Um, so this is, this is a, the fifth behavior, and it is, it is this, this behavior that from the very beginning uh, really builds great teams because we're going to come together to accomplish some end. And we're going to go after it the whole time.
1: And Nick, on that one, both in you know the business world and and in the church, both in both cases, sometimes we forget what we're really trying to accomplish. And so it's it's the, the behavior is always being aware of the results you're trying to achieve, always being aware of the results you are achieving, so you know the gap. As you're working on these other things, you're always aware: Are we achieving what we're setting out to achieve? Are we achieving the mission?
0: Well said, brother. So this is the five dysfunctions at a very cursory level from Patrick Lencioni. And now we're going to just take a biblical walk through them. Because one of the things about this tool uniquely, I mean, even among others, uh, these five dysfunctions is this is relationship truth. You will not have good friendships. You will not have a good marriage. You will not have a great team that becomes a family. You won't have these things if you don't have trust. Like This is true. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have um, you're not gonna have clarity and alignment, and, um, and and a great relationship if you can't have conflict. You know, uh, conflict's a mark of a great friendship that you can actually disagree and passionately at times and still still be in relationship with one another. Not gonna have um, great a great family, a great marriage if you. you can't commit to decisions. You know, I mean, you can just walk on and on through these five dysfunctions, and so we're gonna walk biblically through them so that you can see how when you take a tool, a business tool and you plug it in to the biblical truth it's actually sourced from, it makes all the difference. Now, we want to tie this again in the context also of the three essential principles for transformation. Those three principles are reacquiring a biblical worldview. Right, So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to acquire a biblical worldview for this tool. It's not enough to be a staff. to become more than a staff, a team. But team's not biblical, so you have to become a family, a missional family. And the third essential principle is prayerfully discerning God's plan. Those three principles together form this kind of seedbed by which we kind of see everything we talk about on these podcasts, and in a particular way right now, uniquely with this
1: five dysfunctions of a team. And Nick, I can certify that you properly stated the third essential principle. Well (laughs) done, Great. So yes, so so moving, let's go back then. So if the foundation of these, um, you know, a healthy team is built on trust, this is where we think believe I believe, we believe that leaders in the church have an advantage and should have an advantage because develop the most foundational trust, most foundational trust and having relationships that are strong to withstand anything is that it goes further than trust. And it is love. The deepest trust is love. And we're commanded to love. We're commanded to love God first. And there's trust in him. There's trust in the fact that he has put us here in this time, in this age, in these locations where we are sitting and what we're doing, that we trust that the Lord has done this. And we trust that his commandment of us is to love others as he loves us. And and so we should have in the church the most healthy teams because it's based on love.
0: So when you have that trust, that vulnerability-based trust that's based in love, love for brother, willing to lay down your life for each other, then you move into this place of conflict. Now, biblical wisdom for conflict. If you were just to live the Sermon on the Mount, follow the Ten Commandments, you know, just listen to the teachings of the Lord, we'll quickly come to realize by looking at the life of Jesus and looking at biblical wisdom, that conflict isn't optional. It's necessary. You can't live in community and in communion with people without having really good, healthy conflict. It's not, it's not about ego or winning an argument or my idea or your idea. It's all about what's the, what's God saying to us to, to, In a missional context, what's what's God's plan for the parish or the diocese or the school or whatever it might be? And then just in a relational context, it's like, what I want to be fully alive and fully human. And so in my friendships and relationships, we have to have 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 conflict so that we can be who God's made us to be. So we can have real freedom from sin. So we can be be really available to people and give ourselves wholly over to them uh, to love them well. And so you can look at Matthew 18 as one example of of conflict. When Jesus says in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. See how familial this is? See how necessary this is? And he goes on to say, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses, and if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. But these are strong words from the Lord, and it's tremendous instruction on how we to handle conflict. I mean, we should be going brother to brother one-on-one and avoid public call-outs um, in, 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 you know, in the context of relationship hurts and whatnot. You know, and, and, and sometimes we will need to bring other people in, as the Lord just told us. But then conflict at another level, if you were to turn to to Luke 22, in Luke 22, there's this dispute breaks out. So here's a story of like actually conflict taking place. Dispute breaks out among the apostles. They're arguing together about who's the greatest among them. They're not not even including Jesus initially in the conversation. But the the Lord knows what's going on. He's hearing them. And he turns to them, the greatest one among you is the one who serves at table. The greatest one among you is the least among you. And so he flips the whole conversation upside down. And so instead of the leader, so think about yourself as a leader, instead of the leader being passive in a moment of conflict or awkwardness, Jesus shows us walk right into that situation, offer loving correction, and point everybody back to truth. And so conflicts rife through scripture and the Lord Lord models time and time again, healthy conflict, calling issues out, bringing people to truth, and it sets people free and brings clarity to your team, to your group of people.
1: And that reminds me, Nick, when we've said this before on our podcast, that uh, we, we run into this situation that we call Catholic nice. We feel like to disagree, to debate, to argue. And again, this is in a, in a charitable way. This isn't being, being brutal with each other. But we, we see less of that in the church than we would in a secular environment. And so assuming then we have this ability, and, and, and every time we're looking at this, there's, there's the stuff that works with a secular leadership team, but the opportunity that exists, that if we're a family on mission, conflict looks different. And, and then taken to the next step, this commitment, the behavior of commitment. Again, the, the, the opportunity for leadership in the church is that we are more aligned or we should be more aligned. There's the great commission. For sure, we've been instructed by Jesus before he ascended, on uh, go make disciples of all nations. And then as you get that clarity in your region, in your parish, in your diocese, in your apostolate, in your family, it's what is that mission? That clarity of the mission is enables us to commit to the mission and to each other. You have to have those debates, as Nick just described. But it's even better because we're committed to this same mission. We're aligned morally, theologically, and and it allows us, and it should allow us, to rise above our own ego. And by the way, tied to that third essential principle, we're always praying for the grace. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us that strength, give us that humility. And then we have role models. Let's talk about commitment of the martyrs. Let's talk about commitment of the early Christians, giving their lives, as Jesus did, to the mission and to each other. And then there's another scene in John 6, the bread of life discourse, and Jesus talking about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, that that you, if you do that, that I abide in you and you in me. And people are listening to this, and they're saying, "This, how, what are you talking about, eat my flesh and drink my blood? And they left, and many left. And Jesus turned to Peter, the other apostle. He turned to Peter, are, are you going to go away too? He said to the apostles, are you going to go away too? And then Peter looked at him and said, to whom should we go? But he gave him that opportunity. And Peter knew, and the apostles knew, that I'm committed. I'm committed. No matter how hard this is going to be, no matter if the crowd leaves and everybody's doing it, you know, that, oh, and I won't look good on social media, you know, I'm committed to the cause and I'm committed to my brothers and sisters that are part of the mission. And then, and then lastly on commitment, in, in James 5, uh, James 5, uh, verse 12, it says, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. And this is strength in leadership. Too often we're wishy-washy, we're passive-aggressive, but we're, it's strength in leadership. I'm committed. I'm now going to say yes, or I'm going to say no. And we've had our debate. You've heard me. And I went to the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want of me? Your will be done. I might not want to do this. But now I know your will be done and I'm committing. My yes is a yes, and you take that to the bank. And my no may be no.
0: So then you have a biblical uh, wisdom for accountability here. So Rick said earlier peer to peer accountability is the best kind of accountability. And certainly throughout scripture, we see time and time again stories, Old Testament, New Testament, of people being held accountable by their leader. At times, we see peer-to-peer accountability take place. In the history of the church, there's plenty of times, I mean, you can think about even just the Council of Jerusalem, where there's arguments breaking out among the apostles, and how they're arguing to clarity, arguing back and forth, and holding each other accountable to the truth, as it's been revealed. You can also look right here in um, Matthew 16. You know, So if you, everyone remembers well when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. For you are not on the side of God, but of men. So Peter, so Jesus is talking about his suffering to come really soon in Jerusalem. And, um, and and Peter's saying, like, forbid it. Lord, God forbid that you would suffer these things and this would happen to you. Jesus rebukes him. So Jesus is trying, one of the things he's certainly trying to do with the apostles, he does a, he's doing a lot of things all the time. But one of the things he's trying to do is get them to think like God, to think like heaven. And so in this moment, Peter's thinking like men. God, Jesus, Jesus rebukes Peter and brings him back in his rebuke to be accountable to. Peter, you're not thinking like I've taught you. You're not thinking like we've been, like like we have been. You're not, you're falling back into the old ways. And so on your teams as leaders, when we see our one another falling back into our old ways, thinking merely in human wisdom, not thinking from uh, godly perspectives, we're going to hold each other accountable and say, I'm not going to say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but I am going to say, hey, brother, that's not the third essential
1: principle, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think you've told me to get behind you a couple times.
0: <laughs> anyway, but this, this, the, the truth is this accountability is so necessary to real friendship, real relationship, especially to commitment, commitment to the mission. And if we don't have it, our team's gonna fall backwards. We're gonna lose. We're gonna lose that momentum we're building. We're gonna we're not going to achieve this next, this fifth behavior.
1: And and so lastly, and this one could get, you know, kind of the most attention, and this one sometimes is really hard to get a handle on, and that is having a constant focus on results. And this sometimes is this divider between maybe somebody says, ah, you can't do this in a church, you can't measure. The results of a church—it's like measuring. How do you measure a successful marriage? How do you measure a successful family? It's not about profits. It's not about—it's even not about uh, market share. It's not about how many people, but it could be. So we know this is difficult, and yet let's let's take it again. Let's say if you're just a staff, how do you focus on results? How do you talk about results? And if you're moving all the way beyond a highly effective team and you're into a family on mission constantly focusing on results okay as nick mentioned earlier today the the initial focus on what are we trying to accomplish here how will it look that exercise itself helps you get clarity of mission clarity of what you're all about how will we know if we're making disciples in our parish in our region what is our angle? What is our unique calling in our apostolate, in our family, in our marriage, in whatever situation you're in to know, how will we know? What will we say in three years that we're not saying today, if we're achieving the mission? What will we do differently in three years, in five years, and even in a year, in 10 years? Again, it's just, it's going through that and praying on it say, Lord, here's what I think, but Lord, What are you telling us? How will it look if we're succeeding? So you're driving it. You're having those discussions early in your strategy and constantly assessing how is it going versus what we believe the Lord has challenged us to do. Okay, so there's that. And it's both the what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to do it. So do you see the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Do you see love and patience and kindness and self-control? It's biblical. Those results should be part of what you're seeing more of. Will you ever get there totally? Probably not until judgment day. And then we pray to God. Yes. Then we'll get there. Not because we've deserved it or earned it, but that's because there's a, is a gracious God, but given that effort. Um, and, and there may be, as you talk about it, you may say, and and father John reminds us of this one all the time is that, you know, the, the definition of success that is traditional, like, oh, the churches will be full. Yeah, they may be at some point, but they may shrink first. Because if you want to get a lot of people, play good music, serve free beer, have great pizza, you know, you might get more people there. But if you're really proclaiming the gospel and it's hard saying, and just like we used a reference from John 6, there might be people that will leave and say, this is too hard for me. And yet they may come back because we're not going to give up. It's because right is right. The mission is the mission. We have the truth. Um, so again, that exercise itself—thinking through what are we trying to achieve, constantly assessing how are we doing versus what we think we're a, 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 on mission to do—and always using that third essential principle, prayerfully discerning God's plan, which is the proper way to say it, by the way. And and <laughs> and you're and you're saying, Lord, help us see. Are we now the thing that was happening that last week, and, and we were with Bishop Gruce out of SAG the Diocese of Saginaw, Michigan. And he he just said the simplest thing when we're trying, you know, we're talking about what are measurable uh, markers and what are what are intangibles and what are evidence and what is what are the indicators that things might be going well or maybe going awry. And he just reminded us quite simply. He said, Ask him. And and it just made us reflect on. When he told Abraham, when God told Abraham, hey, go, I'll tell you where you're headed out later. Just ask him, be being docile to the Holy Spirit, Lord, are we on the right path? It's a simple one. And we know, we know when we're off path. I, I know I'm not the only one that can sit and say, Lord, it's usually when I'm doing my examination of conscience, right before going into confession, it's like, ah, I may be off path a bit. And I know it because you're making it clear to me, Lord. So that's the that's the fifth behavior um it's a hard one, and yet it's critical and it and it's relying on prayer and it's with a biblical perspective and it's being more than a staff and Nick I, I want to mention one other thing on this because it's it's important too is that um we know the Lord will shift gears on us and then that happens and so when we have a plan, we've prayed through a plan. You know, we don't like saying we don't have a plan. We're just whatever the Lord tells us, but we do, do whatever the Lord tells So the docility is around plans can change. You know, we can shift, we respond differently. So it's we like we we recommend strongly that you as a leadership team, you develop a plan that's based on prayerful discernment and you have your plan, and yet you're docile that, that shift gears. Because we know the world changes and it could change in a heartbeat.
0: And as we as we shift in this mission challenge now, there's so much of this. You know, we, Rick Rick and I could have spent, um, gosh, multiple episodes on these five dysfunctions. They're powerful. This is very cursory level. You know, each one of these has its own set of tools and methods and application. And we can talk about how it applies to families, how it applies to friendships, how it applies to the church and the secular world. You know, diocese, schools. It, it just it works. It works. It works. It works. Think about it, pray about it, try it out. So as we get into this mission challenge, we have three parts today. First, we challenge you to get familiar with this topic. Get really good at thinking about how you build great teams, how you build missional families. This concept is soaked in Pat Lynchioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. We recommend you grab that book and read it. Read it with your team. Discuss it with your team. That's one of the best ways to do it. He also has great tools, Timber to Group dot com pat's company has got great tools they have a team assessment on there we use that with all the teams we work with and it just is so insightful to get a, a good snapshot of where are we how healthy is our team and some great takeaways on how to get even better as a team how to grow as a team in the areas where you're weaker um also just Rooted, root all of this biblically. So the second part of this mission mission challenge is to root all of this in scripture. You know, trust these concepts. These aren't just secular concepts. These are these are these are great things because they were first. They were written in the heart of humanity. They come from God. The the the, the, the truth that trust is the foundation of relationship. That's that's just who we are as humans. And so get really familiar with the biblical roots of these things. Rely on prayer, rely on scripture to guide you in the team development. And then the third part is, you know, check out resources that can help you. We already mentioned Table Group and the book itself. Amazing Parish is a great organization out there that's, that's uh, you know, Pat's kind of church arm, if you will, that um, church apostolate to, to help pa- pastors grow as leaders and develop great teams. Uh, you can reach out to us, you know, Rick and I love to. Have a conversation with you. Uh, we have our email address you can reach us at themissionguys at axe29.org. The mission guys at axe29.org. And axe is always, acts xorg And then we, we encourage you, you know, share this podcast episode, share other episodes, share it with the people that you're you're working with so they can share, you know, the concepts, their the mind and heart with you about what it is that's on your mind, what you're thinking about. So with that, Rick. That three-part mission challenge, get familiar with the topic, root it biblically, and check out some resources. Will you close us in prayer?
1: Love to, Nick. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as always, we thank you for the leaders in the church. We thank you for those who, despite their leadership positions, their experience, their knowledge, they continue to be docile to your direction. They continue to be humble to learn and grow and to do all they can, to take the talents they've been given and return them twofold, tenfold, and just give all they can give, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you strengthen all of the listeners so that they can lead as Jesus led and as Jesus leads us now. We pray all this in his beautiful name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, that's it for episode 18. Go and use the tools that God has given you.